Girls and women with disabilities have the same concerns and needs as everyone else. We have dreams and ambitions and want to learn, grow, and lead meaningful lives. However, every day we're denied the right to make our own choices when it comes to sexuality and having children, decisions about our own bodies and destinies, Dangerous stereotypes and misconceptions about what we can and cannot do continue to exist across societies. Hi, this is Karin Weiss and welcome to the Medicus Mundi Switzerland Health for All podcast. And today we talk with Gertrude Oforiva Fefoame from Ghana, who experienced by the age of 10 problems with her sight. Today she has three children, is gender and disability rights advocate, sight savers advocacy advisor for social inclusion and has been elected to the United Nations Committee that monitors the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. She's the first person with a disability to have received the Excellence Grand Medal Award in 2007 from the President and just recently she was awarded with the first ever Women's Empowerment Award at the World Blindness Summit 2021. In this episode, we will be talking about sexual and reproductive health and rights of women and girls with disabilities. Getty, thank you for being my guest at the Medicus Mundi Switzerland Health for All podcast today. Welcome to this episode. Thank you, Karin. I'm privileged and honored to be here with you today. Let's dig right into the topic of gender. Why do we need to emphasize that you are a woman fighting for the rights of persons with disability? Generally, and particularly in my community, as for instance, women and girls are in court second-class supplements. And again, persons with disabilities are also considered to be second-class citizens. So just imagine if you are a woman or a girl, you have a disability, then what class would that be? Probably fourth-class citizen. So the multi-facet discrimination and stigma that women and girls with disability face and how it intersects with other forms of our lives, that pushes that behind, take away our voice, take away our dignity, take away our education, take away our power. This is what has to stop. And that is why for my life, I dedicate and fight for the rights of all women and girls with disabilities so that we would have equal opportunities and live on equal terms and equal basis as other women and girls. Today we talk about women and girls with disabilities and their access to sexual and reproductive health care. Why is accessing health care for this group of persons particularly difficult? It is difficult because of the barriers that women and girls face in the access. And the barriers pass through many diverse areas. It brings up the issue of access to information, communication. There is issue of accessibility to the services, such as you might find high beds at the hospital. So for instance, we are going to do a test on mammography and the bed is so high that a person with a disability might not reach it to use. 
And so we are denied and our voices and our issues are not attended to. There's also stigma and negative attitude by health professionals, most of whom have not been trained. So it gives us a challenge. For instance, deaf women find it difficult to access sexual health because the communication barrier is not sorted. And what makes healthcare staff feel uncomfortable when receiving, for example, a female patient with a disability? Because they've not been well trained and their social cultural perspective unfortunately sometimes come to bear. They don't appreciate that women and girls with disabilities have sexual reproductive health conditions and needs. They think women and girls with disabilities are sexual, so we don't have, we don't have needs. They also don't have the skills to work with us. And they also are sometimes afraid because they think some girls and uh, women with disabilities are carrying bad omen, they are witchcraft. So there is both the professional issue and the social cultural that brings that barrier. And the fact that communication, information, accessibility are critical. There is also the problem of multiple and intersecting forms of discrimination. What does that mean, especially for women and girls with disabilities? So just imagine a woman with a disability who is a migrant and therefore the necessary information that he has to have around the opportunities are not available. The person is denying the access to health facilities because he hasn't had the status. Just imagine a person who requires much support. And so the person is not having the access which is required. And persons with intellectual disabilities, for instance, are abused in the process because they don't listen to them well. They think they cannot think for themselves and take decisions for themselves. And it affects rural women as well. Being a woman with disability is an issue. But being a woman with disability who requires much support, or being a woman with disability who is a migrant, a refugee, or an asylum, or rural, or poor, means that you are facing several conditions which are interplaying at the same time. And that is the challenge. And how do these multiple forms of discrimination affect access to healthcare of women and girls? It did affect because the women and girls themselves do not get empowered to speak out and to reach out and go for their need because of the stigma and discrimination. So it puts fear, it shuts their voices out. They don't talk, it. they don't say it, they don't demand for it, and that is one sign. But even when they demand, then the other side is also not ready. You can't ask for, you're asking for too much. Or you are not, they are not ready because they don't know what your issues are. Or they don't want to listen to you because you should not have any issue. So this is where the situation needs to be addressed for both sides, because then the denial is too much. Sexual reproductive health and rights are still a hot topic, which are not realized for everyone. There's also a lot of resistance to accept that we are all sexual beings. If we add the issue of disability, I can imagine that it's even harder for to fight for SRHR. What is your experience? 
growing up as a girl with vision loss meant that I did not have access to all the reading materials that would expose me to sexual and reproductive health situations. And I even remember in school, my tutor, my science, science tutor, teaching reproductive health topic, doing a diagram that I could not see because I couldn't read from the board. So just imagine me in school is this experience, the burial that I was facing. And I just bring back to where the person is not in school at all because he has not been allowed to be educated. He has been pushed behind because boys' issues are more important. And therefore, there are many girls with disabilities who have not gotten the information that they need, information about their own sexuality, information about their own reproductive health, information about contraceptives, information about womanhood, information about menstrual hygiene. And because they are not given the voice that is necessary, they are sometimes not able to reach out to others. What needs to change? A lot needs to change. From policy to practice, to change of attitude, there is a need for us to ensure that the right policies are in place to remove the discrimination right from the home through the committee, through to school, through to the professionals who are trained without inclusion of disability. That needs to change. There's also the need to change the practice of negative attitude and stereotypes that think that women and girls with disabilities don't have the need, we are not sexual, we, we don't have a choice, we cannot manage a home, we cannot be parents, it needs to change. During the COVID-19 pandemic, there was a sharp rise of domestic and gender-based violence. What was the situation like for women and girls with disabilities? Karen, you wouldn't want to know, but you have asked. Heightened violence, particularly sexual violence and harassment, rape was on the increase. It was on the increase because people were stressed. It was on the increase because women and girls with disabilities were locked down. We, we were in confused state with little information reaching us at the right time. And we didn't, the health and the networks that were surrounding had all fallen apart. So we had heightened abuses. So the issue of the COVID was really a concern. People could not access their health needs. Some people on a medication, such as people with psychosocial disability and women couldn't go to the hospitals and assess the care. Those who were pregnant had challenges because they couldn't get to the medical center appropriately. So adding several barriers to the already existing barrier was the situation. What needs to happen that the cycle of violence can be stopped or prevented? Women and girls with disabilities need to continue to be encouraged to bring the issues on board. Their voices need to be heard. Many years, our voices are not heard. We are not allowed to speak. They think 
we can't say the right thing. I mean, Karen, just imagine a lady who has been abused sexually would say, be told by a policeman that who wants you and would want to have sex with you. And this is not an imaginary statement I'm making. It's a real experience. The perpetrators need to be brought to book. They have to go through the processes when they are reported, and they have to get through the judicial settings for whatever punishment that are available. Also, the counseling settings for all women and girls need to be made inclusive and made accessible to women and girls with disabilities so that they could also assess the hotlines for reporting violence have to be inaccessible from irrespective of the category of disability you are and your age. We need to be having the access so we can report, be listened to. Also, awareness raising needs to be intensified so that the wrong and stereotype impression will be stopped and also be told that whoever violates will be sent to court. Katie, what do you wish for, for the future? I can't wait for a future where every woman and girl with disability enjoys the same opportunity, respect, to fulfill their rights like any other girl and woman. The time where we can have adequate access and participate equally, take decisions by ourselves, and take our lives into our hands. The time when we can decide when to marry, so we are not forced to marry, and whom to marry, and how many children we want to have. The time that we are not forced to take medication when we don't want to, or we are not sterilized without our consent. The time that we can have our children and take care of them and not be considered as being not capable of taking care of our children and not being said we are witchcraft, but we are allowed to have education, hold positions, hold and lead our homes, work and contribute to communities and humanity just like any other person. Thank you so much for being such an inspiring guest at the Medicus Mundi Switzerland Health Forward podcast today. I wish you a lot of success with your future endeavors. Thank you, Karen. I'm honored and we will continue working on the rights of girls and women with abilities, not relenting in our efforts. And we know together with you, we shall achieve. Thank you. Thank you again. This was the Medicus Mundi Switzerland Health Forward podcast with Kachin Weiss. You can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and on our website. To spread the message, please leave a comment on our website, share or like it. This was the fourth episode of the new season on disability, inclusion and human rights. Stay tuned and watch out for the next episode where we will be talking about disability inclusion and health in humanitarian emergencies.